millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Very happy to welcome to the podcast the uh, team behind Treasured Films and also Film Treasures, which we'll probably also talk about too. Um, so I've got with me Graham Lloyd and Tom Lee Rutter, and it's great to have you both here. Thank you very much for making the time to do this. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. So you've both got interesting backgrounds. I think perhaps we could quickly start with that. Graham, I understand you've been working in the film business in one way or another. Tell us a little bit about what you've done in the past and how that led to you um, creating Treasured Films. Sure. Um, well, I've been running the retail side of the thing, which is Film Treasures, uh, since July 2021. Um, and that really arose out of, well, being a collector myself and... Um, having to uh, import certain titles and just getting fed up with, you know, some some suppliers were either charging ridiculous high prices um, or the, the, the times to get here were uh, too long or the risk of damages was too great. And, and on top of that, you had all the issues potentially with uh, customs adding another charge on. So I just thought, well, <laughs> my family joke that really I've just I've just started the business just to uh, build up my own collection and make it worthwhile. But um, but there there was something I felt that we could do in uh, you know in terms of uh, a gap in the market uh, and to provide a service. And uh, generally that seems to have gone quite well. Um, we're always looking to grow even further. Um, we'd love to stock. UK court labels um, like Radiance and Indicator, but unfortunately, you know if the prices you you buy um, or that one buys from the, uh, the distributor, um, one can't compete with the likes of Amazon. Um, you know, so we've tried and tried. We'd love to stop them, but we couldn't do that. So we focus mainly on imports, mainly from the states, Australia. 
German media books, that sort of thing. Um, and that's on the films and, and also the vinyl soundtracks, um, that's slowly growing. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, you know, that, that led on to um, Treasured Films. Um, again, really, it was something that, as a collector, um, I thought, well, what do I want to see on the release? And, um, you know, we've all got different tastes and we've all got different um, opinions on who we like as critics and who does the best artwork, etc., etc. Um, so really, it was just something that was born out of that, you know, I was thinking, well, I'd like to take a film and I'd like this kind of packaging and I'd like to learn this about it and so on and so forth. Um, and that's how we started with our first title, The Last Hunter. Excellent. Yes, and we'll, I really want to dig into that. But uh, Tom, can you tell us a bit about yourself? You're a filmmaker of some of some renown. Well, uh, you know, um, yeah, make films off my own back. They're very, um, very rough around the edges, but for, you know, hopefully the the, the love uh, you can see on screen. Hopefully, you can see that a lot of love gone into it. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, I was just doing my thing, really, just trying to get a name for myself around in the festivals, some of the film festivals in the country. And uh, and then Graham sort of got in touch with me uh, on Facebook and uh, liked what I was doing. And he watched a film I made called uh, Bella in the Witch Elm, which you've seen yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, and we just got chatting after that, didn't we, really? And yeah. uh, and it, it reached a point where Graham invited me uh, down to you know the unit that he'd got going for Film Treasures. And then when he sent me the address, I realised it was in Cradley Eve, which is amazing because this is where my... My grandparents are, you know, this is my stomping ground, right in the heart of the black country, you know, so we're both uh, of black country origin, which uh, which was quite amazing as well, much like uh, yourself, I believe, is that the right, Adrian? Uh, yeah, Wolverhampton, born and bred. There we go, uh, we're a good company here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so yeah, I visited, uh, I went to Cradley Eve, and then visited Graham and his unit, and then I saw... The stock that he had, and which blew my mind, because you know, like like the like the rest of us here, I'm an avid collector of uh, weird and wonderful films. And um, the more we chatted, really, the more um, Graham saw fit to hire me, really, to kind of jump aboard the the, the treasure chest. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting, isn't it? Obviously, as it's um, such a new venture, and you've really uh, hit the ground running um, with your first release, this lovely box of The Last Hunter. It's your ass. Now, of all the cult films in all the world, what led you to um, to this? Well, I was I was looking and thinking, you know, what 
what could we release? Um, and I sort of found out a list of uh, available titles, and I wonder why why has nobody released The Last Hunter? You know, it's a Marguerite film, uh, David Warbeck. It's a great film, yeah. um, and I, I don't know why they hadn't. Um, and I just um, got talking to uh, the Italian rights owners, um, and they said, "Well, yeah, you can have this, and um, it's X amount, and if you want it restored from the original camera negative, it'll be this amount." And um, I sort of ummed and ahed. I thought, "Well, that's a lot of money, but you know, it's um, it's a great title, and if you're going to do it, then you may as well do it right." Um, so yeah, we went for that, and. Um, Got it restored in 2K from the original camera negative, um, scanned and restored, and it looks mint. Um, yeah, it really does. Uh, thank you. And um, obviously asked David McKenzie from Fidelity in Motion to, to master it, and he's done a stellar job on that. Um, I think the fact that it's a section on, it was, it was on the Section 3 list, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of adds... A, a more appeal to the UK market as well, more interest. Mm. Yes, I don't know whether um, what the Americans make of all this, but um, but yeah, it's a Section Three video nasty. Uh, I mean, it seems ridiculous in today's perspective, but um, yeah, we did that, and um, I, I I don't know rightly or wrongly, I sort of came to the conclusion this was probably the only David Warbeck film um, that I was ever going to release. So I wanted to do a bit of tribute to him. Um, you know, we got talking to Eugenio Eccoloni, who does a lot of extras and great stuff for all the labels, as you mm. know. Um, and he put me in contact with Troy Howarth and Nathaniel Thompson, who very kindly agreed to do the commentary, uh, write a couple of essays, including a nice one on David Warbeck and his Italian filmography. Um, which was very thorough and I'm very pleased with. Um, but also Eugenio came up uh, with the idea that um, there was a, a, a documentary, The Outsider, the, uh, the cinema of Antonia Marguerite. Antonia Marguerite, I'm always thinking yeah. about that film. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, and, and that again, that wasn't cheap, but it's a good documentary. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, come on then, you know, let's let's do it. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm very pleased. It's our first title. Um, it certainly cost enough. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and you know, you you and are about whether you've done the right thing there, starting off with such uh, such expense. Um, we won't be doing that for all titles going forward. Okay. Um, not just cost-wise, but some of them don't warrant it. You know, they don't have that history or pedigree, and therefore you'd just be making physical content for the sake of it. I feel, um, mm. but yeah, certainly there are some titles that we've got in mind that um, you know the deluxe edition may well suit. But it's very, very much still a, a learning curve for us. You know, and we have you, have, you know, we have discussed that you know we should not let this um, packaging sort of dictate every release that we do the films have got to mm -hmm. come first and and yeah. you know the status of a film or the type of film that we have that, that the release should be uh, naturally come out of that really yeah yeah it's um there is some um labels that you you know they produce wonderful sets 
uh, and you are inspired as a collector. Um, but we, yeah, as Tom said, we don't want to be in a position where packaging determines the title. To to us, that's the wrong way around. Yes, you hear you often hear David Gregory at Severin complaining about how it's become about cardboard instead of about the movies. Absolutely, <laughs> that yeah, and you know, and as a result of that as well, we want to try and prove to be quite diverse in what we release as well. So we don't want to be pigeonholed as. Uh, able to re- release a certain type I mean you know there's so many different types of cult but I think we've got quite a varied bunch coming up haven't we to, to, pr- to so. prove that really. I, so. I don't suppose you can give us any clues well we can tell you obviously our next title say it's Little Helper mm. uh, Jeff, Jeff Lieberman, Lieberman film mm. um, great film Worlds um, Apart from The Last Unto as well yeah, which, you know. yeah. Um, yeah, another one we're happy with. That's um, the master's finished on that now, so we're just waiting for. We again, we undenied about packaging. Um, could we do this big book, etc., etc.? But we we just thought, well, it would be overkill on this one. Um, but then we've got we've got other titles. Um, we've got Satan's Blood um, coming up. Um, now we've used the master that Vinegar Syndrome did, the the 4K restored. Um, it's had a Blu-ray release over here before, but not with that master. And um, we're going to put together some um, some cracking extras. We've already got a fantastic uh, audio commentary from Jonathan Rigby and uh, Kevin Lyons. Kevin Lyons, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, mem- memory's terrible at my age. Um, but uh, and Tom's going to be doing some excellent. Uh, do you want to share that, Tom, or not? Yeah, we're going to we're working on a piece uh, on Spanish horror as well for the for the release. Uh, as you can imagine, that can uh, that could potentially spiral into a feature length uh, um, project. So uh, we're yeah. currently uh, gathering our resources to do that because you know we just want to be able to offer. Uh, as much as we can about the you know the film's origins and where it came from and you know the, the landscape of film that surrounded it as well and I think Spanish horror, especially Mexican horror as well that it's so popular at the moment and uh, and Satan's Blood uh, as great a film as it is it tends to fall under the radar quite a bit so I think it'll be well represented with um, a really big study on Spanish horror with it so yes. so, so we're working on that which is. Uh, making me sweat thinking about it at the moment <laughs> because um you know when uh, graham initially uh, got me doing some editing for him it's uh, you know for some video essays for um uh, for satan's little helper and i'm finding that the uh, the, the jobs i'm getting now on each uh, release after that are kind of growing in um ambition and so it's quite exciting but obviously we want to do the best job we can do really and uh, we are, well, we're working on Mausoleum at the moment. Um, that's shaping up pretty well, actually. Um, hasn't had a Blu-ray release over here as yet. Um, again, same master from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, but we've got, well, Tom, Tom's just about completed uh, a feature on Marjo Gortner. Yeah, oh, so. we've got a lovely piece on Marjo. Uh, video essay presented by uh, a film historian from Melbourne called John Harrison. He wrote mm-hmm. a book on Marjo called Wildcat, and he's a lovely guy, and he's yes. done a great job for us. And he's a sport. And he's a good sport. He's a really good sport. Uh, yes, and we're currently editing another piece 
uh, on um, Bobby Brezzy. We we tried and tried and tried to t- to track down Bobby Brezzy for such a long time, um, and we just thought we almost gave up, but we managed to. Um, well, we fa- we we picked up an audio commentary from the old. Was it Eclipse DVD? It was. Um, it was a. It was BCI Eclipse. Yeah, I think it was BCI because when they used yeah. to release double features as a kind of an exploitation with the the marquee and the posters in the marquee, there were some grindhouse ones a bit like it, mm. and it was paired with what was it paired uh, with? Pass blood blood song. Blood song. It was paired was it? with blood song, but it was this region one DVD and it had a commentary track with Bobby Brezzy on it, which hasn't reared its head since. So we've been. Uh, so we we got to search for that really we got searching for it and um, uh, we eventually got a, a copy sourced to us but then it was a case of who owned this commentary. <laughs> yeah. So uh, fortunately, our good friend Nathaniel Thompson had it. Uh, we listened to it. We liked it, um, and uh, we made a deal with Walt Olson. So we bought that. So that would be included on the disc. Um, but she did, she did the commentary with a gent by the name of Lee Christian. And I just Facebook searched him and I said, excuse this random inquiry, but are you the chap who did the audio commentary? And he said, yes, I am. And he actually went and knocked on Bobby Bress's door and said, would you be interested? Uh, just in on the off chance. On the off chance to do an interview. And she very kindly did. Um, and, and we're really happy with this. She wouldn't do a video interview, unfortunately, because she's very concerned about her looks, although I'm told she looks great. She's 80 years old. Um, but she, nonetheless, she did come out of retirement for us um, right. and did an audio interview, which Tom is, is currently editing. We've got a load of scans and stuff, haven't we? It's just a very candid reflection on her, uh, her showbiz life, really, because she's been out of the game for so long. And, she, you know, she's just... It's just quite sweet trying to listen and reminisce about things and, and yes. whatnot, and she's such a good sport as well. Yes, she doesn't sound uh, eighty for a start, does she? No, she's no. very. <laughs> no. And she she tells this herself. It's not something we're disclosing here. I mean, she says I'm eighty, um, you know, and I've I've been out of the business for so long. So um, yeah, that was very gracious for her to do something like that for us. So, you know, as you can imagine, we're sat here in Cradley Eve <laughs> and names like this are coming, you know, into yeah. the office and it, it, yeah. it's, it's so strange. Yeah, yeah. It's Mix, so strange. Mixing with these And it wasn't parts. long after we, we uh, managed to get that interview that uh, Graham had a, a letter from Bobby. I did, yeah. Uh, with, uh, you know, the, the double B stamp on the front as well, the Beverly Hills address underneath it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, quite, it was quite, quite surreal, really. Yes. That's it. That's the that's the world that you're in now. You're rubbing shoulders with the. It's been an eye opener. The old treasure treasure hunt side of it is mm. trying to locate people or locate the owners or something, or just you know just trying to search for assets that would you know be great for the release. It, that that's yeah. been quite eye opening in itself, hasn't mm. it? Yeah, absolutely. But you've managed to amass mm. some good contacts over in the states to help us with you know uh, filming things and. And locating people as well, because you know they tend to be if they're in LA, they tend to be in quite a close radius of one another. So yeah, that's great. So um, just going back to the last hunter, I wonder if you could just talk us through in a bit more detail 
this sort of process of, like you said, you found this film on a list. So I'm interested, first of all, like, where did you get that list from? <laughs> like, how does one go about finding film rights and saying, okay, I'll have that one? And obviously, you don't have to tell us how much it cost. But I'm interested in the sort of idea of location and then who's got the negative and, you know, how long and how kind of how in-depth that process must be. Um, yeah, it's um, well, there are several Italian uh, rights holders, um, you know, and I, I uh, asked Eugenio because Eugenio is a font of all knowledge and yeah. um, he will uh, he will tell you who might own this and might own that. Yeah, so, um, you know, you sort of reach out via him and um, you tend to uh, come up with a, a list from a particular company of what's currently available. Um, and that's quite interesting because you can see, you know, if you're after things that have gone, you, you can see, uh, you, you have a good idea who might be releasing those. Uh, no spoilers, but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so... But it, it, it is quite eye-opening to uh, see, you know, um, that a lot of the same, a lot of the labels that we love sort of dip into the same well, and the, also yeah. labels that you probably wouldn't put together either, you know, so, yeah. so, you know, you can imagine one label releasing something a bit more highbrow, and then... And then a label releasing something a bit more B-movie and cult, and you'll find that they've still come from the same list of avails, you know. Mm. And there's a few rare sales agents that uh, have their catalogues that you can go to. I mean, um, uh, but then there's also times when you source the rights from the filmmaker themselves. So there's several different ways you can go about it, really. Mm. But we've last mm. until you were pointed in the direction of the uh, Italian rights owners directly, wasn't it? Yeah, and they've they've got the OCN and. Um you know, you sort of, you buy, you do a deal for the license, for example, for five years, um, and then you have the option to uh, take a, a current scan or to have a complete restoration done, which is what we paid. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't cheap, but it's worth the money. And where where was the restoration done? Was that in Rome or was that at Bologna or? It was it was in house. It was in house. Um, uh, I don't actually have the exact details. Is it? I know they do it at Chinachita. I think they've got some restoration labs there. Yeah, uh, that rings a bell. Um, well, if it was Chinachita, then you know that's, a, that's amazing because I'd love to visit. <laughs> oh, you can. Chinachita is. Um, you can go and have tours. I, it's like a museum, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I had a tour there a few years ago. It was awesome. I can, I've seen that. You know, the the big head from Fellini's Casanova's yeah. there and. The big head that gets submerged and whatnot. Yeah, and, and they've got all the ro sets of Rome and everything. It's really cool. Wow, I'd love to go. Oh, really, we, need, we need to do that, isn't Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit different with the Italian side. They tend to ask for a flat fee uh, with no royalties, which is fine, but you've obviously got to stump up uh, and hope that you, you know, you make enough sales to, to make mm. well. But we'll cover your overheads and then make money. Um, but then what we find is a lot of the the American right holders that you'll pay much less of a minimum guarantee, but then they'll have a percentage of royalties. Um, so you know it's horses for courses. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it's we've only been, we've just started, and everything mm. is is experience and learning and. 
we 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 have a, a sort of a, a whiteboard on the wall and things change and we we can change our mind from week to week because experience teaches us uh, things um, sometimes good sometimes not so good and then you're juggling film treasures on top of that so sometimes your day's split in half or it's a bit of this and then a bit of that then a bit of this mm-hmm. sometimes at the same time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just gotta like you said it's just about trying to keep uh, every project on track really so it's like how's this getting on for this film do a bit of that today and then next week it's like well how's this getting on what well, we need to focus on this this week so hopefully that you know by the time these are all ready to come out they're all there's not too much of a bigger gap in between releases, so mm. it is. It's it's very much a learning curve every day. It's uh, it's 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 a new horizon really for us. That's really cool. I'm, I mean, I'm I've said this on the podcast before, but my PhD was in film distribution history, so this is the side of things that really sort of fascinates me. So I could talk about it all day, but I'm I'm aware that it might be getting a bit too technical for the people who are listening. Um, but this, uh, the last hunter, it's a limited edition, is that right? Yes, that's correct. There's uh, two thousand units made. Um, again, um, commercial decision really leads. Um, I was told that um, titles of that, well, not titles, but uh, products of that sort with the you know the bells and whistle packaging, typically get produced around three thousand units. But we we said to look the distributors, we can't afford. At this at this stage, early in the game, to you know overproduce and have them not sell um, because you know we're depending on cash flow sure. um, to go on to the next title. So you know we're not we're not established by any means. So um, um, we we have we sort of split between retail and um, and selling direct. Um, obviously, selling direct gets us more money. And at the moment, we're sort of making a, you know, a point of saying, well, look, if you buy from us directly, every penny in profit will go into subsequent releases. And and they get a poster. And they get a poster. Which is very nice. Yeah, I, I thank you. It's turned out nice. It's got Graham Humphrey's usual fantastic art on it, uh, along with the, um, the original the one. British quad, wasn't the it? British yeah. quad, yeah. yeah. Um, but again, it's you know you learn. We asked for some feedback on the, on the Facebook group, and we got such a random response um, in terms of you know, would you like a, a rigid slip box and pay a bit more, or would you like a soft, or would you not bothered about slips at all? And and to be honest, I wish I hadn't done it because the responses were that varied. It didn't really help us make a, a decision <laughs> one way or the other. You know, you went from the whole, oh, you must keep it like this because they look classy and, you know, you'll be like second sight kind of thing, I wish. But um, you know, to the whole, oh, I couldn't give a monkeys about slips. So, you know, it's it's difficult to, uh, to know what to get right. And so we've kind of concluded that it's going to depend on individual titles. You know, if, if we can produce... Uh, a booklet that's reasonable and, and worth doing and not just creating one for the sake of it, you know, then we'll do that. Um, and we've got to do that whilst navigating building a brand as well. So it's all about uh, creating a presence where people can just entrust in the label because that's what uh, um, collectors do. They trust their labels, labels. you know. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of them, uh, 
Yeah, don't get me wrong, a lot of the people that buy this stuff know their stuff, but then there's ones that just like to go in blind and buy whatever comes out on that label. Mm. So we've got to just navigate our way into building a brand now to be able to just release what we feel is right for the, you know, for us and the market, uh, because we want to be passionate about every release. Uh, but we want to be able to make sure that people can rely on it, really, and, and look out for it. So that's going to be the, the challenge, really, now. I think that's a really interesting point um, that the sort of the boutique label now, because you know it, it's quite rare that films, the you know the big, really well-known films, haven't already been released. So, like you said, a lot of the the labels are putting films out that most normal people have never heard of. Um, but yeah, but it's because you like that brand and you trust their kind of. It's about curation, I suppose. So you trust the curation of that brand. So you think, well, I liked that other one. So I'm bound to like this one. And you just sort of go. Well, because we're in such an early stage as well, we've got to balance that with something that we know would be a seller as well. So it's like you get some of these labels now, like what Indicator did with the Michael J. Murphy box. They're in a position where they could take such a bold chance with that. And... You know that is a that is a sign of where we're moving in this country now. Where you know 101's releasing the AGFA collection and stuff like this, mm-hmm. which means the floodgates have opened wider now for really esoteric stuff to kind of get out in deluxe editions. But I don't think we're in a position to be able to take such bold leaps just yet. We want to be sure. able to make sure what we release has got a fan base and as would would be of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think we I think we've got a good run lined up, and we're we're really confident in them. So hopefully that can push us towards a, a point where we can maybe take take more chances. Chances. Yeah. Yeah. I I was in Cambridge a couple of weeks ago, and I popped into FOP, and there there was a whole bunch of uh, Last Hunter boxes right by the door. So I was quite impressed to see that it's see it out there in the world as well as online we, we actually did that we went to hmv last week didn't we yeah we went to Mary Hill. <laughs> and, and just to uh just to make sure they've got them in so i can get my photo took with one in my hand as well and um yeah it's um but no i mean you know it's like you say curation's important uh taking your time is important we will never get to that and we don't want to get to the point where we're releasing copious titles without you know really checking and double checking because qc is important as well i mean <laughs> we, we've all learned that haven't we as collectors oh, yeah. that um you know something that, which yes. seems to falter a lot these yeah. days you know i mean sometimes you're looking out at a product uh, you know no names no, not naming any names or anything but you just think wow the q scene does tend to drop off i suppose this might be a result of when a company ends up having to put more product out than it can keep yeah. up with i don't know but we don't want to be able to fall into that trap really well especially if you're getting into the whole replacement disc thing no oh, yes it is absolutely but one one thing i one of my bugbears because i watch a lot of um particularly italian stuff subtitles are like riddled with mistakes and I don't understand how that gets through. <laughs> I mean, that seems like be quite an easy thing to QC, but it's often full of errors. So, uh, yes. Mm. I mean, it's not the most uh, exciting part of the, the release, is it? <laughs> well, for, no. But people do have to sit through this to make sure yeah. that it's fine, don't they? Yeah. You know, it's combing it over with a fine uh, comb, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of subtitles, do you have any... Um, any more Italian titles on your long list? You don't have to tell me what they are necessarily, but 
are you planning to go back to Italy for more? Well, we are, but we haven't got anything booked. The, re the reason is, we found out even this early on that plans can change uh, very rapidly. Um, and, um, you know, I, I sort of thought, well, we've got this in the bag now, what, what second, thirds? So we, we've got some regular output. Um, but then what we found is that opportunities will come along and you think, oh, I quite like that. And, uh, <laughs> that'll do. Um, Takes you on a different course then. Yeah, yeah, and we have, speaking of which, we, I, I, I won't name it, but we're very excited because we have signed one title, um, for, not Italian, but from the 80s, um, uh, another Section 3 film, which have been after for ages. It is sometimes lumped with Italian, but it's yes. not quite. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Answers on a postcard. Yeah, but, um, well, yeah, it reminds me of the, uh, the Bangles song, Walk Like an Egyptian. But that's enough of that. Um, um, Foreign types with a hooker. I thought I'd so. messed up then. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been told a new master's coming and we've got the UK rights for it, so we're very happy to pick that one up. Uh, but yeah, again, that was that was opportunity. It wasn't... Um, I had been searching for it for a couple of years, but the source it came from was uh, very unexpected. But, you know, we've got, uh, what, seven, eight titles? Mm. Sort of signed up and um, it's amazing really how they've mounted up like that isn't it because yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you were talking about three four maybe yeah. when I met you yeah so and they're very varied you know we're not going to do stick we must do Italian this we must do American that we're not going to if we like the film and it hasn't had a release or we think we can put out a decent release then we'll release it and it, it doesn't have to be horror action it could be comedy you know we don't um, want to. We don't want to pigeonhole, really. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, it might. We, you know, you might talk to us in a year or two's time if we're still around, and uh, we might have chosen a different course. You know, we might have chosen a different pattern, really. But um, for now, it's a case of we don't want to discriminate because we love films, hmm. and we want to put out uh, all different kinds. You know, there are so many that are still unreleased. Um, um, I did a bit of a poll. Not well, it wasn't a poll. I sort of put the question out there on Facebook and Twitter a couple of weeks ago, like if you were going to have your own label and you were going to avoid horror um, just because, you know, that's pretty well served already. Like what others, what other kinds of films would you want to put out? And lots of people um, talked about Peplum films, for example, or Euro spy films, um, or even you know, sticking with Italian there's a lot of those kind of sexy comedies with Edward Fenech and uh, Barbara Boucher and people like that. There's a, like a lot of that stuff that are even comedies like um, Toto or, um, you know, Lucio Fulci did a load of musicals and comedies before he got into the Jallo. Like there's still a lot, but the trouble, of course, is that you've got to balance that with is it worth spending all the money? Because is anyone going to want to buy it? And, the, and you know, this is the world that will eventually be dipped from and dried out in itself. You know, and yeah. it's a case of um, do we reach a point where we're able to facilitate that? Because over here, we've obviously got the dreaded BBFC to contend with as well, yes, which you know, adds so much more expense to a release. It's yeah. it's, it's a rip off. Honestly, it's yeah. Could you tell us about that? Not everybody. I know I have a lot of listeners in America, so you tell us what that involves. Well, the British Board of Film Classification 
is I suppose like the MPAA, but over here if it's on physical uh, release or ex exhibited at the cinema, it has to be rated by the BBFC. There's, there's just no two ways about it, mm. and that means you have to rate every last little bit of um, on-screen material, including a movable menu, I think, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> trailers, uh, extra features. So you can imagine that is a, an expense that mounts up ridiculously. Yeah, um, I mean, the last hunter, uh, well. That, well, what, the last time to say is a little helper. You know, you're talking a grand just to, just for the feature film alone, uh, and it's such a lot of money. And, and you think, come on, you know, you're not helping me, you're not helping yourself, surely. Um, and is that because um, it hasn't been rated by the BBFC before? Like, if something has, can you not just use the rating it got last time, or do you have to resubmit you it? You can, as long as it's the exact. Same content. Right. Um, um, you can apply for something. I forget what it's called now, but um, yeah, the guy at BBFC Time, you can do that. But I, I don't know what the, the cost is, but there would no doubt be a fee for that too. I think even if a film run at a different speed, they might see that as a different. They, they, do. Yeah. they do. If it's just one second different, it's classified as a different film. Yeah, and obviously The Last Hunter was cut to shreds previously so your version is much longer yeah exactly yeah but um you know i i i, I wouldn't mind if it was a couple hundred quid but i mean a grand <laughs> is just you know for what they do I think come on it's too much it is, it is a challenge for anyone trying to make a go at it in this country for distribution you know and i just, it's an outdated model in my eyes really you know it, it's by all means if you have to do it for the cinema do it for the cinema but um, for physical media now, I think everyone's a bit more clued up, aren't they? You know, yeah. and people will stream anything without being stopped or told they can't watch something. You know, it's it's down to parents if they want to, you know, moderate a child's viewing. But um, yeah, it's it's just it, it is quite crippling. It's it's terrible. But uh, yeah, and of course legally that you don't have to do it for the cinema, like that's basically voluntary, and it. <laughs> But it's the the law the law that they they the you know, the whole video nasties thing resulted in that law. That's the one that means you have to do it for anything that's released at home, or or streaming. I think. But you can see why so many people got fed up and went to the states and started their company. And obviously, this reflects the this reflects the state of the market now as well. You know, it's all part of that and how you have to repurpose physical media to make it collectible. And you know you're seeing films that you you would have cast aside when you were collecting DVD or video, and they're giving like steelbook releases and stuff like this. Mm. You know, we are living in another golden age, I'd say. You know, we are. Yeah. You know, because all these films that you never thought you'd see would see the light of day again are cleaned up in 2K, 4K, and whatnot. Yeah. It's a collector's dream, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but it's obviously because it's had to be reinterpreted so to survive. You know, and. Mm. Um, Piling those assets on an extras, uh, can, and then the BBFC—it's a big risk, you know. So yes, exactly. So don't do it, is what you're saying to everybody listening who, <laughs> who might might want to start their own company. You need some capital behind it, and it is a risk, mm -hmm. and you don't make, you know, a lot of money. Believe me, you don't. Um, you know, the costs when you look at production and, and that's on top of your license and extras and everything else it's a lot of money and that license you know starts ticking away as soon as you've you know 
so yeah, you've no. really got to act fast on getting all the assets out there and then into shops and yeah, yeah it's, um, it's a race against time yeah so you know I wouldn't say don't do it but um, you know it's it's well I guess like any business it's a risk but um, we've been lucky we've had some good support um, you know and I, I mentioned several people in the thanks list and the booklet of last winter mm. and it's getting very good reviews as well yeah yeah it's um, in in terms of that I, I, I'm fairly proud for the first release you know it's um, there are things that I'd probably change now um, but um, you know a bit again, late for that <laughs> it's, 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 it's a bit late for that but yeah I mean it's um, and if you're weird like me you know not only looks good but it feels and smells good that's the thing you know <laughs> yes. and, uh, I once had a nice gentleman ask me in HMV whether anybody was here to look after me when I started smelling the booklets um, I don't know what he meant by that I'm sure but, uh, no I, I, I have got this thing that I gentleman love, was me uh, that was Tom by the way <laughs> Um, I, I have got this. I love the smell of booklets and yeah. packaging. We we can all relate to that. Thank you. I thought it was just me. It was weird, <laughs> but um, no, I uh, it's, it's good stuff. But um, yeah, you've, if you're gonna if you're gonna go for it, you need um, a bit of a helping hand, and you need to have uh, pick a, a title. I feel that you know you think will reasonably sell well. Ish, if only just to start and make your money back. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's there's such a lot of you know uh, hurdles to get over, certainly. Um, but we've had a lot of support from other labels who yeah. have been very kind to us and helpful. Mm. Yeah. You know, so, which uh, is really nice to know, really, because mm. you know you think, oh, we're entering this new domain now, and how cutthroat is it going to be? So it's really nice when you know someone's actually helping you. Yeah, and I suppose that you're not really competing so much because you're all doing slightly different offering slightly different things so yeah and and when we've, we've we've discussed this haven't we tom about you know that in terms of personal pride personal satisfaction you might be a bit miffed that uh, another label's put out a title that you were interested in but as long as they do a good job um then fine you know we we are film fans we're film collectors collectors and, are going to uh, collect you know and yeah. uh, you know that will always be our sort of uh, our measuring stick and our outlook uh, for what we release so you know if somebody comes along and does a fantastic release then fine so what's uh, what else have you got in the pipeline are you going to be like heading to the Cannes festival and uh, the other kind of film markets and Doing that glamorous lifestyle. I've got them in the autographs to sign and post out. Um, yeah. we're, take, we're taking Film Treasure to Horrorcon ne uh, next month. Uh, so obviously we'll have a presence for Treasure Films there as well. Yeah. So but brand building, really, and spreading yeah. awareness. Yeah. But, um, yeah, wherever the road or the plane leads us, um, yeah, we, we'll start going to these festivals, I think. Um but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, as I say, it's early days and um, we're still very much learning. Great. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Thank you to both of you for taking the time out of your busy schedules. Tom, I better let you get back to shifting some pallets. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's, uh, yeah. it's been a pleasure to, to be with you today. Adrian. Nice to see you in Cyberland. Hopefully we'll meet up again in uh, the flesh.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 